Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Take a walk with co-hosts Phyllis Fagel and Joe Mazza as they discuss self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education and is designed to support the concepts outlined in our foundational text, The Successful Middle School, This We Believe. Learn more at amle.org. Today's episode, Kids Are in Beta. Hey, Phyllis, how's it going? It's going well. It's Friday. How's it going for you? It is Friday. It's the spring. I think there's maybe five and a half weeks left. Not that anyone's counting. It's Friday the 13th, isn't it? It is Friday the 13th. We are recording on Friday the 13th. Absolutely. That explains a lot about today. Yeah, it was just before you got on talking about being, you know, coming home to bedtime for, you know, reading the books when I get home instead of having dinner when I get home and getting too late, many late nights. We've been very busy, as I'm sure many of our colleagues across the country working in middle schools are at this time of the year. Yes, it's uh, definitely the 100 days of May. What, uh, what's been going on in your school? It's been busy. We are trying to get students finishing up final projects, a lot of presentations, a lot of reciting speeches, doing debates, performing for parents, getting ready for graduation for our eighth graders, planning for summer. I'm fielding a lot of parent questions about how to support their kids when they're out of school this summer, as I'm sure you're seeing too, kids are, while I think they're turning the corner in, in many cases and starting to do better and their social skills are starting to be slightly less rusty. And so they are getting along better and things are improving. I also see that they are still definitely behind where kids would be chronologically in a typical non-pandemic year. Yeah, uh, you know, we've had a range of, of social issues. Um, you know, some of them are digitally, you know, I guess, uh, started. The root of it is digital, you know, whether it's Snapchat or some group text, you know, whether it's talking about something without someone on there or um, sharing something that's not theirs, um, you know, and you know, we've had a little bit of hate speech here and there, but, you know, we've got some guidelines in our code of conduct that we added two years ago that we're able to hold kids accountable, but you know, not, not everyone's always in agreement with what is hate speech or not and some of those code of conduct violations, but we've been progressing through them. We've noticed that as well, that kids are a little more, they're taking more risks with the language they're using. And something that I've noticed is that in at least a few cases, I think they actually are doing it purely as a cry for help, that recognizing that there's so much shock value in some of this speech that it is a fast track to getting the attention of the adults in the building. So I think it's important to really look at what the motives are, think about the background of that student, whether this is out of character and not consistent with how they normally act, particularly since the classmates can be so unforgiving. One of the other challenges I think the schools are having, and I'm speaking for several schools that I've been visiting lately, is trying to figure out how to allow kids to come back from those kinds of mistakes that can seem just so glaring and unforgivable and avoid having them be kind of canceled by their peers. Yeah, Um, they're kids. 
their adolescence developmentally, um, these mistakes are supposed to happen now so they can learn. And down the line, those things don't happen. So, you know, I think there's a blend of, okay, I don't want to be surrounded like that from a personal standpoint as a child, but I think there's also parents coaching their kids on who they should and shouldn't hang out with. And things aren't in absolutes. You know, I think everybody's in, in beta, everybody's developing. And, um, you know, that's one of the big jobs of our school when kids come back, if they're, whether they're suspended or this comes, you know, we have to absolutely tell them the second they walk in the door, that's in the past. We're not going to bring it up. It's a, you know, it's a lesson learned, mistake. Everyone makes them. I made them when I was your age. I continue to make mistakes. Um, and just, again, reinforce that you love them and you care about them and you're invested in them. Uh, I think that's a really important point. And not all kids feel it from the home front. You know, it might be a big deal or like the death sentence socially at home, but we can't give into that as a culture. Um, I just think that teachers and administrators need to make sure that that's a really, they hit home with that, you know, if, if kids do get disciplined. I, I love that. And I, lo I love that kids are in beta. That's just a great message. One of the groups I run is a worry busters group and something that has really helped kids show one another more compassion is simply having an awareness of the kinds of struggles other kids are experiencing. I think sometimes these kids walk around and they assume that everyone else is living these perfect lives and they're the only ones who maybe there's more strife at home than usual, or maybe somebody lost a job and they're the only family that's struggling financially, or maybe they're the only one who has a learning challenge and doesn't have the support they need at home to deal with it. And simply hearing other kids' stories I found has made them more forgiving when those kids are sharp or take out their anger on someone else or don't handle it as constructively as they would like. You know, when you're talking, you've made me kind of reflect a little bit on some restorative circles that we've been running, you know, in our school. And, um, you know, when we did change the code of conduct a couple of years ago, we put in some restorative language and now we're, you know, trying to walk the walk and get our staff the training that they need and, you know, train the trainer, you know, so to speak. But, you know, the things that kids are sharing, um, you know, they might pass a whole bunch of times, you know, a couple different sessions. But when they finally do share something because they're in that small group, that that advisory, you know, we really did keep the pod model this year to have small groups to talk with. And at this point in the year, you, you pretty much know everybody in the room. And, um, you know, the things that kids are sharing that maybe they didn't report that happened to them months ago. And you've been wondering why someone acted like this or, or they've been like that. You know, kids don't tell us everything. And if they don't tell us, they don't tell their parents and they're just suffering with some of these really serious things. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's made us do a lot of reflection. I think it's really kind of helped the momentum of restorative circles as we've, you know, been able to learn about some of this intel that only can help us moving forward. That's great. And I do think that we have to be careful about assumptions, even as adults. I know kids are making these assumptions that everybody else's lives are perfect or that maybe somebody is skipping class because they're simply avoiding class. I had this aha moment the other day because I came across a student who had been skipping a lot of classes and I found her in the bathroom and it was long after school had ended, she had stayed afterwards for another activity and was still just hiding out in a bathroom and being avoidant. And I realized in that moment, and she confirmed when I talked to her, she wasn't avoiding class. She just was dealing with a lot of things. And so 
her processing happened when it happened, whether it was during the school day or after school. So taking the time to actually ask those questions to figure out what's going on, because I do think that it's not just kids. It's also parents as well who are struggling. How about teachers, Joe? What are you seeing from teachers? Listen, I think we all went into this year thinking it was going to be better and easier and um, still challenging, but it's been hard. You only have so much stamina. And I think we're very fortunate because our, our breaks, you know, spring break, winter break, you know, um, have been well-placed. Um, but it's, it's still grueling. It's still hard. And people have been in and out and sick and not sick. And then, you know, not every, you know, we don't have big numbers in hospitals. People aren't dying like they were, you know, last year and year before, but it's still annoying. It's still disconnected. It, it, it really blocks any kind of flow and routine and rhythm that you have to get into, you know, there's, there's just, you strive to do it, whether you're a teacher, your administrator, your class, all those things. And then, you know, state testing, see, this is like assessment season, right? We got our NWEAs, we got state assessments. We were gifted from the state an extra science test oh, this boy. year. Thank <laughs> you so much. Kids <laughs> another test. So we, we empathize with them. It's, it's a hard time of year for a lot of reasons. And, you know, some kids are going to this camp. Some kids aren't. Some kids are having their mitzvah. Some of them got it canceled. Um, there, there's, there's a lot of things happening. And, you know, the, the, the teachers are the ones that are still running with the flag. And I'm, I'm a little concerned that, you know, the, this whole, the whole oxygen idea, right? Putting it on yourself before you help others. You know, we really valued it and talked about it a lot the first two years of COVID. And um, it's kind of faded a little bit, you know, so I think it's a, for us administrators and, and teachers and colleagues, we've got to continue to pick each other up and um, talk to each other and, and make sure people aren't fading into these, these, these spaces that are really troublesome. I, I agree. And I think that the coming and going and COVID and people taking mental health days because of burnout, which is something that hopefully will prevent them from needing even more time off. But as a result, you have a lot of teachers covering for other teachers or trying to plug holes, picking up extra duties, picking up extra classes. I was, you know, uh, subbing, so to speak, in a math class, which was kind of funny because- Me too. Really? You've been subbing? <laughs> yes. What administrator is not subbing with the sub shortages? Like, Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Exactly. As a counselor, I don't typically do any of that, but it is, it's all hands on deck. And so I think teachers as a result, because they're so tired, they're even more in need of that feeling that they're seen, that they're valued, that they're making contributions and that they matter. I had a a colleague of mine uh, in a large public school system who had applied for a job, got a form letter that she hadn't gotten it, that job and it was within the same school system, only the form letter failed to mention that they knew that this teacher was in their own school system and they wished her luck in her job search. And it was such a morale killer because it was the opposite of feeling seen. In addition to not getting this job, it also was such a clear message that she was a number. I think they referred to the job she had applied to by number as well. And I think those small little things add up. And if we want to avoid that great resignation, if we want to make sure that we're keeping good teachers, keeping people in this profession, we really have to find ways to make sure that they don't feel like a number, that they don't feel like they're one extra body to cover a duty that otherwise would go unfilled. 
Yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll, none of us will ever forget this period of time in our careers, uh, but it's, it's humbling, you know, to just con- continue to see people running on E, running and running faster, you know, and, and sometimes it's like, oh, I don't want to take a day off. I don't have COVID, of course, so I can come in, but I don't want to take a day off because it's going to be more work to, to make the plans and, and, and figure out what happened and, and do it the next day, you know, so people just, they just continue to grind. The, the, the biggest joke in my school is that I'm running around telling everyone to breathe on me that I want COVID because I really could use a good quarantine, <laughs> <laughs> you know, famous last words, but I, I'm starting to think maybe I'm at this point immune to getting it. I probably get exposed every single day. Getting it two and three times because these different <laughs> variants. Absolutely. Kids yep. and staff. So you know. what are you doing, uh, Joe? Right now, I think about administrators. One of the greatest lines I heard recently was my own head of school had gone to a meeting for heads of school, and one of the other local principals was asking everybody how they were doing, how things were going in their school. And one of the other principals responded, I am working in a feedback-rich environment, which I thought was the greatest euphemism ever for everyone complaining that everybody really just goes straight to the administrator to air their grievances. And I think sometimes when people are unhappy, the way they express it is through unrelated grievances. So principals really do absorb a lot of that discontent. And somebody responded when I shared that quote by saying their their colleague who is a principal says that this time of the year, they only say two things, both uttered warmly. One is thank you and one is I'm sorry. How are you doing yourself? And also, what are you doing to prop up teachers who maybe are meeting doubt or in need of a little extra support? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I'm not having that experience of, of the feedback rich. I mean, our <laughs> feedback is how are we going to this problem and how are we going to kind of work together? And again, this is like year four for me here. So it's noticeably different. We know everybody. We all know each other. I think pushing through COVID together has been really good for our climate and our staff of people that care about humans, um, family members, as we refer, refer to each other. I think that's really been powerful. I think we've been honest and transparent in acknowledging the, the, the challenges, but also celebrating our successes. You know, there, there's lots of things that are really going right and we're trending in the right direction. Um, I've got the first four teachers I hired getting tenure next week. So like we're invested when you're a new teacher, we're invested in you just as much as you're invested in making it here, you know, and just seeing that, um, seeing the, the the happiness that comes with all that hard work, um, you know, of course. Um, and, um, you know, I, I think, I think people just, we've, we can do this. We have been doing this. We've, We've got a five or six weeks left. We're almost there. We can do it. We're going to try and really, you know, enjoy ourselves this summer to really recharge. And, you know, we said that I said that a lot last year on the podcast. I felt like I had four days this summer to recharge and we were like back doing a retreat and we're going here. We're doing that, um, you know, but I think we're I think we're OK. I think we're just trying to help kids with where they are right now. You know, and there's a variety of different challenges that they're dealing with and we're trying to be the, the trusted adults that they can go to. And um, maybe if, if we're slow on learning about something that, you know, it's, we can still deal with those things. We can still support. And last night, 
Um, as I tweeted out that we had our middle school 101 with new families coming and we had these fifth graders that are finishing their first year and they were up in the panel telling all the incoming families about the school and what's going on. That's, that's a real prideful moment. You know, when you have kids that just got here this year talking about school, calming some of the anxieties of those parents who will ultimately pass that on to their kids. We know that, um, you know, just, just, just saying what I would say, right? Saying what we would want said about our school and, and how warm and welcoming that we try to be every day. Well, I'm, I'm not at all surprised to hear that the morale is high in your school and that despite being so tired, everybody is feeling like they're a family. And I know you're a really great leader. And actually, in a funny coincidence, when you sent me a text last night to let me know that to, with the picture of your fifth graders, just to let me know that you had given a shout out to Middle School Matters at that exact oh, yeah. same moment. Thank you for that, by the way. At that exact same moment, my husband got a text from a colleague who is going to be a new parent at your school who texted him that to tell him small world. small world to tell him that you were that his wife was being given a shout out by the principal at his new school. So that is how small the world is. Crazy. So, so yes, different state. Before I met you, Phyllis, before I met you in, in, in the flesh at the at the conference, you know, it's we have to give parents resources. We have to help them understand that this is not just an extension of elementary school. This is a whole different chapter um, that they're entering and, and equip them with the resources. Your book is phenomenal at, at helping them understand the variety of different thing topics alone that they're going to talk about. Um, I referred to it last night as uh, bedside reading. You know, <laughs> there's everything that you're going to face. You're going to see it in the index. Um, so highlight, copy, pass it along. So we're always, our PTA is always making money on your book, Phyllis. Oh, thank uh, it's you. Good. People, people need to prepare, you know, just like we prepare as educators. Parents are also educators. The first educators, they, they need to continue, especially if this is their first middle schooler. You need to bring that, that point home that they need to also get on this learning journey of what it is, what it isn't, because it is different than when we were in school. The Completely. phone makes it different. The internet makes it different. What kids are into makes it different um, and has made it different. Along those lines, and, and maybe this is a, a good question for both of us to end with, maybe if we could each answer it, I would love to know what you're thinking is the most important thing for teachers to keep in mind, not just as they head into the summer, but the kinds of things they, that you think they should be prepared to expect in the fall when students come back, you know, what are the priorities if teachers want to be able to meet students' needs, hopefully closer to the end of the pandemic than we are now? I'm already thinking about spending more time with interpersonal um, skills, um, you know, the, the just making sure we've really put an exclamation point on how much we value each other as people in the beginning of the year, that investment that we make, that we, we, we tap throughout the school year. Um, you know, I, it took a little while to do that, whether it be the masks, um, whether it be, we were so close in those pods last year, but now things were, you know, we were less close. The classes were bigger. We were back to more normal uh, this year. Um, I, I just, I find that, you know, kids need, they need that quality time with that small group. They need to, to, to really feel like they can be themselves. Um, so they, so they do trust us and they trust 
other adults to tell them what's going on. You know, I think that's been something in reflecting um, things that we could have known that we didn't, you know, and you, you retrace and you peel the onion on that. And like this particular kid, and they're all puzzles. Um, and a lot of it has to do with the relationships that we have with parents. And that's why it's so important when we talk about transition to tell them right off the bat, we are, we are the team for your kid, you know, and, and they need to know that. And they need to hear their teachers supporting their parents and their parents supporting their teachers and the school. Um, because it's, it's, it's not going to get easier. Yeah, we're we're going to be in this back and forth for a little bit. And I don't know if this is just like the new flu, um, but having attendance that's spotty and not being able to have the same kids for 10, 15 days in a row before you lose them again. Um, it's hard to learn on zoom, you know, it's fatigue, zoom fatigue, uh, is a, is a real thing. So that, that's, that's, that's where I am. What about you? Well, I love the emphasis that you plan to place on that sense of belonging. I would agree. I've never had as many kids throughout the day, just want to hug just want to pop in to say hello. I think that neediness is just so palpable. And along those lines, I think if we want them to get back in the groove, be able to really acquire the content that the teachers are trying to impart, I think the two components we have to focus on beyond that belonging, which is 100% critical, is the relational piece that need to make up for lost time to really connect with friends and bolster those social skills. And then the self-regulation piece. I think if we can give them concrete coping skills, and if we can help them feel that sense of belonging and use that need to socialize, to relate to their peers within the context of the classroom, then I think the learning will happen. And I think on the flip side, from the teacher's perspective, I think we will probably have to remind ourselves, remind our colleagues that the same hit they've taken to social skills that have made them maybe a little bit rusty, a little bit more careless with one another's feelings also translates to maybe coming across as rude or defiant or making comments that are intended to be funny, but land wrong and hurt a teacher's feelings. And just reminding ourselves not to personalize, to be that calm in the storm so that we can set the tone for the classroom. Yeah, there's, there's little kids inside those big bodies. You know, they, it might sound worse because the kids bigger and air quotes should know better, but they're still developing. They're still missing a third of their prefrontal cortex, you know, and it doesn't show up in a year. It's you so know, true. And, 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 you know, the teachers too, like how many things have we missed together, coming together, socials, things that used to bring us together to build each other up because of all the restrictions, you know, we need to get back to those things. You know, anything that was there before as part of your school tradition, your culture, things that people look forward to, you've got to find a way to get all of those things back on and add a couple of things for, for lost time. I think just a renewed investment in each other um, is the only way we're going to be able to kind of push through and, and, and really be able to continue to work through this. Because again, I, we've said too many times, oh, it's, it's ending, it's almost over, but I can't even, can't even get myself to say those words anymore with the back and forth and the setbacks, because it is frustrating. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's evident when I'm working with students from the counseling side, even kids who seem absolutely fine are starting to show some signs of wear and tear, 
some need for extra support. Maybe it's only now that they're asking for that support, but remembering that in the same way that teachers may have held it together and only had moments where they fell apart, kids too are going to have ups and downs. And it might seem like everything is back to normal, but it will take some time for everyone to feel like things are normal and to feel normal internally. And I do expect everyone, whether they're you know a small person or a big person, kid or an adult, to need a little bit of extra nurturing and love and, and kindness from everybody in their orbit in the school setting. Well said. Well said, Phyllis. Well, this is a cap on another season of the Walk and Talk. And um, I don't know, maybe we change up the name next year. We, we haven't done a lot of walking and talking, whether it be for cell service, Wi-Fi service, or just the weather um, or the, the cicadas. The cicadas. <laughs> and, and it's actually where, as we're heading into late spring, summer, it's going to be too hot. So I think you're right. But maybe our, my goal is that at some point we will be in the same city and we'll actually be able to walk and talk together as we do this podcast. Yeah. So that yeah, would be great and, too. and I'm looking forward to seeing some folks in Orlando, just like I know you're looking forward to, to meeting some, some uh, middle-level colleagues in uh, San Diego at the AMLE Leadership uh, yes. Retreat. Yeah, we'll, we'll, uh, you'll hear more from us. And uh, just thank you for, for listening. Thanks for sharing things on Twitter. Thanks for um, lending you know, a podcast recommendation to a colleague. Um, but we're going to push forward and, and uh, we're excited to have uh, some more inspiring guests uh next year so have a great summer everyone and take care of you yourself and thanks for all that you do for kids <laughs>